the icing on the cake from this experience is that I had like an eight minute PR in my swim at Mount Tremblant. Eight minutes in a full Ironman swim. Blew away my best swim ever. And I, I know for a fact that a big part of that was letting go of my fear and resistance to getting in the open water and just accepting the experience and embracing everything that I pulled from it. The joy of swimming with animals, the joy of watching the sunrise, the joy of taking a story that I thought was true, I can never swim in open water because I'm scared, right? That I believe to be true and totally flipping that around and, and creating a new story. From this experience, truly embrace the, the successes that you have. When you finish a, a session, whatever it is, when you finish it, take a few breaths, just like you would in the morning before you start your day and just feel into, back to Jess's thing about feeling, feel into literally how that felt. Yeah, it was tough, but feel that like life and vibrancy from accomplishing something you just may have thought was impossible. What's up, you guys? It's Jess, and this is episode 138 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, the final episode of 2018, and we're finishing off the year with Ask the YTs. We've got some listener questions to dive into. Thank you, everyone, who sent in your inquiries and a few peeps that we want to give some shout-outs to first. We want to thank Adriana and Jody for becoming our latest Patreon supporters, Right now, this is a 100% listener-supported broadcast, and we'd love to keep it that way. I think it, I think it strengthens us as a community, and it puts us in alignment with the universal law of circulation, which is the giving and receiving that adds to the equanimity of life. I think that equanimity that we all crave. What do you think, Beach? I completely agree. I love the universal law of circulation because it's like, it just reminds me that nothing needs to be hoarded. We don't have to hoard things. We don't have to cling to things. We don't have to like be scared that we're going to lose things because everything is always in circulation. Everything is always changing. There's, we have to give to receive. We have to receive to give. Why are you laughing? Because I'm just thinking of the people who are listening, the athlete out there that goes out and buys 10 pairs of the same sneaker. That would be hoarding. <laughs> because sneakers <laughs> change so often that they want this one pair. But in what you're saying is that they should buy their one pair that they need right now. Yeah. And not worry and think ahead to not being in lack, but it being in abundance and discovering possibly something new, a new shoe. Right, exactly. And our bodies are always changing. Right. <laughs> so exactly. come that, you know, that seventh too. pair and you're trying to jam your foot in there because everything has changed. You know, then you kind of have yourself up, um, you know, backed into a corner there. But yeah, I mean, I just, everything is always in that circulation that, you know, we never have to hoard, we never have to be paranoid, we never have to, we really don't have to live in the fear that really is epidemic for so many people. But now we're diving into way off topic, but I'm sure we'll get back to fear at some point. All right. So we're going to get into this convo, but I know that you want to welcome in a few team members. So I'm going to let you do that. Yeah. So before the first of the year, we're welcoming in two, two new team members. Uh, welcome Ron Young. He's here in Oceanside and we met him. I met him because I went to the run group at the, uh, at Endurance House in Oceanside and, and 
after I left the run group, it was over. I, I walked outside and, and Ron stopped me and we were chatting for, I want to say like 10, 15 minutes, everything plant-based. So it was all plant-based and he's a, he's a pilot. And so he's traveling a lot. So plant-based can be a challenge, but we just started talking and, and it was such a, such a perfect conversation because it was that connection, that one connection that started a relationship that is now formed into a coaching relationship. So I'll be helping Ron starting the first of the year to two Ironmans next year, Ironman Cork in Ireland. And we have two athletes now doing that. Yeah. And I think I might be there. And don't be surprised if I'm there Not as well. racing, but I think I'm going to be yeah. there. Yogi triathlete could, at least 50% of yogi triathlete will be there and possibly 100%. Yeah, I like Minus that. Clark. Yeah. And then he's also training for Arizona later in the year. So it's going to be a great, great season for, for Ron. And uh, having him just up the street uh, is great. It brings another local athlete to yogi triathlete. And we're just continuing to grow. So if you guys... You know, you want to you want to take that next step and have been thinking about it for a long time, like reach out to us and, and ask us your questions about coaching. Yeah. And then athlete number two is Jody. Yeah, Jody. Jody, we met up in Mendocino last year at the Mendocino Ultra 50K that Jess and our other athlete, Liz, it was her first. It was Liz's first 50K last year. It was Jess's second. And we're all going back this year. And Jody is doing that race again. So last year she participated in the 50K. It was her first 50K and yet her first marathon. I love <laughs> so it. wrapped into the same race. So she's coming back to get some get some more miles next year and this time with Yogi Triathlete. So if uh, if you know people doing the Alt- Mendocino Ultra, you know, we got a group. We got three athletes out there racing. Clark and I will be support as we are every year. And just love this community that's growing of endurance athletes, not necessarily triathlon, but trail running and ultra swimming, like long distance swimming with Anita out in, in Scotland. Like it's, we're, we're growing guys, we're growing and it's time for you to, to, to make that shift and act now and, and jump on board because great things, great things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ron, I'm so psyched that you're on board and I've known for a while that you were going to be coming. I felt the same way about our athlete, Amy. And uh, so it was really exciting when uh, you finally reached out and joined the team. I'm super psyched. And Jody, totally remember you and your husband last year out at that race. And I can't wait to tackle those trails with you again this year. And Liz will be out there too. And we'll be doing most likely another mindfulness for athletes talk before that race. Yeah, because um, we were stuffing people into that room. Yeah, it was amazing. The, it was so cool. At the Stanford Inn. So, yeah. and um, speaking of awesome things, all local yogi triathlete peeps, listen up. Wednesday, January 9th. Not only are you going to be attending, but you're going to be helping us share, uh, spread the word. We're doing a live podcast at Canyon Bikes headquarters in Carlsbad here, and we're going to be interviewing um, Carrie Lester and Scott DeFilippis. Did I say it right? And they're from, well, they're professional triathletes, they're Canyon athletes, and they're also from Keep It Simple Coaching. So we're going to be doing a live podcast. We're going to have food there. We're bringing some of our pizza from our new High Vibe Pie cookbook. And it's going to start around 5, 5.30. People are going to come, and then the podcast is going to start at 6. 
and we'll be taking questions and all of that, but we'll be diving in. We're going to have Carrie's bike there um, on display. We're going to be talking about the fit. Beach is going to be going out on one of these bikes and uh, that he's currently manifesting. So that's over in Carlsbad, you guys, January 9th. So just about a week and a half away. And um, definitely come and join us. This is our first live podcast. And We've already talked to Canyon about doing more things in the future, so we're pretty fired up. They've got an amazing space. We were there a couple weeks ago for the Lionel Sanders event. They've just got a great space, so look for more things from us and Canyon. Yeah, and if you're interested in what bike I'm going to try out, it's the SLX. It's the one... Pretty much that Lionel Sanders just it's pretty rode. much like what Jan rides <laughs> yes, and what the top Carrie three Lester athletes. rides and what BJ rides. <laughs> now this is the current manifestation. So yeah, and we'll see. I mean, 2018 for Yogi Triathlete was oh my gosh, us walking coming out of the other side of the gauntlet. Um, 2017 was in. If you've been following us, then you probably know 2017 was the year of financial dismantling and rebirth and bringing us to our knees and surrendering our will. And being okay with living in a cardboard box um, in the name of Yogi Triathlete and really spreading this message to create a better world. Um, So yeah, that's what creating a better world can look like. It can take you down to your knees. And then 2018 started out pretty scary and uh, it's been really amazing. And so I know that more things are coming and it's really my own personal practice with it is getting into that feeling of, you know, abundance and community and, and passion and purpose and practicing those feelings. And we're going to get into a little more of that with a question that we have from, from uh, triathlete Lori. Uh, what else? High Vibe Pie Cookbook. If you guys have not seen <laughs> the photos we've been posting about the cookbook, get on our social accounts because these pizzas rock. And the photography's pretty good, I will say. But what I what I really want to know, and I'm sure you guys want to know too, is what inspires what inspires Jess here to to come up with these recipes and to share them with all of you. Like, what is it that you pull from to produce these amazing recipes and content that you're gifting to the universe out there? Like, you're gifting them the the health and wellness and and ease of creating such amazing food? Well, I think behind all my recipes in both cookbooks is my mom. And she would, she worked full time and my dad always traveled growing up and she would come home from work and I would just, I can picture it like she's doing it right now. And she would open up the refrigerator and I wrote about this in the first book and she would just look with the door open and it didn't look like she was doing anything. And then all of a sudden she would just start grabbing things and bringing them out and putting them on the counter. And then those things became dinner. And I used to get frustrated with her because I would be like, mom, why can't you just like bake us cookies? Why can't you like use a recipe? Why do you always have to like make it up? Because every night I would be like, mom, I don't like those. And she'd be like, it's a new recipe. And I'm like, you're lying. She's like, no, really, it's a new recipe. Like I totally just created this. And I always thought it was because she was trying to get me to eat something that I didn't want to eat. But now I realize like it was actually a new recipe every night because she was just creating in the moment. And I think I know that that's the product of both of these cookbooks is creating in the moment. But in hindsight, as I was reading through the final proof of the High Vibe Pie cookbook, I just had so much gratitude. Like I got 
I don't know, I just had this moment of like just being so in love with these books and these recipes and the food and and my experience creating them and how I had to overcome a belief system that I wasn't good enough because I wasn't trained, because I, I'm not a certified chef. I, you know, for years people asked me for recipes and because I would open up the fridge and pull out, I never had measurements. And so that was something I had to get beyond. And and so I did. I got beyond it. I was like, screw it. I don't, I don't really care if, if, um, if I'm not good enough. Like, I make this food for people. They say it's great. BJ says it's great. I think it's great. I think it's time to share. And that just kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And then one day, this girl that I went to high school with posted on Facebook, like, when are you going to come out with the cookbook? I will buy it. And I was like, and I just remember being like, okay. I'm good. And that was coupled along with going to the store. I've called, told the story a couple times to get ingredients for another plant-based cookbook. Very well known. I won't say what it is, but I bet the majority of you have it in your house. And I went to the store and I went to buy one of the ingredients and the ingredients was like 40 bucks. And I just remember being in the store and I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done buying I'm I'm not buying this ingredient. I'm not making this recipe. I'm writing a cookbook because I'm so sick of having weird spices in the back of the cabinet that I only use once and I only use a half a teaspoon and and all of these things that I don't know what to do with. And so we talk about incorporating a full spectrum plant-based diet. And somehow I am able to incorporate ingredients like Brussels sprouts and butternut squash and things that maybe people will just bypass to get to the broccoli and think like just do their regular stuff. And somehow I'm taking these and I'm creating them into pizzas and one bowls and smoothies. And, and I just think that I have this gift to create a wide variety of recipes using full spectrum plant-based ingredients and using the ingredients over and over again so that you're not stuck with that spice in the back of the cabinet. Yet every recipe is so different. Did I articulate that? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you're pulling, and I see this too in our cabinets because we are minimalists. So we have limited space here, but we also carry this deep minimalism like throughout our entire day. Like everything we do is, is based on the, the smallest impact that we can have. And when you look at our cabinets, we have small spices in little jars, but we don't have a lot of them. Yet, we use them all in almost every dish. I can't tell you how many times I've asked you, can we make this meal out of our cookbook? And you just do a quick checklist and we have everything. Yeah, we have everything. In the house. Need. When we just probably made it last week, because I like to repeat meals over and over yeah. again. But we have the stuff on hand all the time. And it, and really it comes from a, a good source of having a strong foundation, a strong basic foundation of Just spices staples. and staples like brown yeah. rice and lentils and cinnamon and oh, I don't even know what salt and pepper, like the, the basics. <laughs> and, and really what comes out are amazing, amazing dishes. And the great thing about dishes in our cookbook is that, yeah, you may have made them once with the recipe as is, 
but many times it sort of like transforms based on missing an ingredient or two at home yeah, for, for by circumstance. It's still amazing. Definitely make it your own. And that's the feedback that I get from a lot of people is like that they feel like I help them take the pressure off in the kitchen. You know, like, oh, you don't have a microplane? Well, don't freak out. Just dice it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. There's no hard lines. And so, you know, I don't know if I could have gotten that gift in a certification. And so just, you know, we have so many labels in this society. And I have had people, uh, somebody go after me a bit about not having food scientists test my book. And she just kept saying that's so irresponsible and I would never buy that book. And I remember just sitting there going, it's not for you. Like, don't buy it. Please don't buy it. It's not for you. You know, but what I can tell you is that these are the foods we eat and our blood work panel looks really good and the food tastes really good. So for me, that's all I need. And I'm really glad that I got over that belief system that I wasn't enough and um, that I'm able to share these books. So check them out if you haven't already. They're both on Amazon. It's so key, and I think a lot of people are going to pick up on that, that you're not a trained chef. You're not, you didn't go to culinary school. Like, you're just a high-vibe human being who's in touch with their inner self and understands that if this food that you're putting in your body makes you feel good, let's make more of that food, and let's share it with, with the community. Right. And that's and what's I, happening. And I think that, you know, I love our mission at Yogi Triathlete to create a better world because... There's so many things that fall under that. And that was something I took into consideration when I was, you know, like, do I write this book? Do I not write this book? And it's like, yeah, healthy recipes that don't cost a lot. And remember, folks, the first book was written in 2017 when we were being financially dismantled and all the ingredients for all those recipes were all going on a credit card because we didn't have any cash flow. Well, very, very little cash flow coming in. And so being able to share recipes that you can create on a budget and that they're healthy, to me, that aligns with our mission to create a better world because that's more people being able to eat healthier and eat more of a spectrum, especially when you're first transitioning to a plant-based diet. I remember being like, what else can I eat but salad? So hopefully these are helpful. Um, I really did share them to be in service of, of the world. Yeah, it's as simple right. as that, right? Maybe there isn't an end goal to this cookbook. It's just to share new recipes that are healthy. But I can say that number three is already on its way because you came up with an amazing title for it. So whoa, just uh, just know that we're already testing and tasting, and um, yeah, things are good. So we're getting okay. so back to the cookbook. We're getting great feedback on the cookbook. We're getting amazing stories of. These plant-based individuals are sharing it with their families and they're, the families are not plant-based, but they love the pizza because it's pizza and it's changing traditions in people's families. They had pizza for Christmas day, like versus that Christmas turkey or whatever you have, they're having pizza just because it's, it's something new and it tastes amazing. It doesn't matter if it's plant-based or not. It's just a new dish. So... If you do have the cookbook, want to share your feedback. Like, share your feedback. We love I these love stories. It. Like, that yeah. probably saved a turkey's life. Yeah. Like, no more Christmas carcass. High vibe pie. All right, let's jump into questions. What do you think? Let's do it. You know, we've kind of been talking about belief systems, so let's just jump into Lori's question. 
Lori, who is on Team Zoot, hey Lori, uh, I love running, swimming, cycling, even strength training so much, but sometimes there's so much resistance to starting. Sometimes it can thwart my whole day. Every time I finish the workout, I wonder why I had resistance at all. How do I use mental stuff to deal with whatever this is? Also, I often seem to have to prove to myself that I can do it, time, course, skill, challenge, rather than believing I can do it. Most of the time, I accomplish what I thought I wouldn't. Is there a way to shift that dynamic? I imagine it's not the most beneficial belief system. Well, I would ask you that question, Lori. Do you think that that's a beneficial belief system as uh, a triathlete who wants to continue to reach higher levels of performance? So that would be my question to you. And I know that you already have that answer. So, you know, I think you mentioned here, um, how do I use mental stuff to deal with whatever this is? Well, you know what this is. This is resistance. And there's a great book if... You guys haven't read it. You need to read it. You can read it in a day. It's like less than 100 pages. It's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And yes, he's talking about writing, but he talks about resistance. And resistance is resistance. We can't, like, it's resistance. It doesn't matter if it's resistance to going out for your run or resistance to writing that, you know, bio that you need to write for a feature or whatever it is. Resistance is resistance. And you're going to have resistance with everything because, is you, you're especially going to have resistance when you're talking about pushing your limits, seeing what's possible, and raising yourself up to a higher level as an athlete, as a human, as a spiritual being. You're going to have resistance. And that resistance is coming from the ego. It's the resistance that wants to push you down and keep you in a state of conflict. I mean, that's its job. Like, to understand the ego, two things. One, it's not bad. The ego is not bad. It can become your teammate, for sure. But for most people, the ego is the opposing team, and that's how it presents itself to you. But through meditation, all that good stuff, the ego actually starts to become your teammate. And because the ego contains the will and the drive and those things, and and so it can work for you as much as it can work against you. And so noticing when that ego is showing up. The second thing about the ego is that we don't want to get mad at the ego. We don't want to get upset at the ego because getting upset and getting mad at the ego is the ego coming in the back door. So we really want to love the ego. We want to create um, a, a healthy relationship with it so it realizes that it's not our opponent, that it is our teammate. The ego, however, it's breath of life is separation. So for it to survive in your life, it needs you to feel separate. It needs you to feel alone. It needs you to feel in conflict. That's the negative ego. That's the negative ego is that part of ego. Now the positive ego is still going to see you as an individual, but it's but when you're working with the positive ego, meaning the, the ego is now your teammate, it's working with you as the individual spiritual being in a human body having this journey. But for the most part, when we're talking about the ego, we're talking about that negative ego that wants to keep us in conflict. So that's really what that resistance is. And it's a belief system. And so you've even said like that 
this isn't probably the most, the, like the best belief system. It's just a belief system. That's all it is. And so this belief system was probably birthed a long time ago. Most of our belief systems and patterns and things that we're going to expand on in our life are set in pretty much in stone by the time we're five years old. Like when we think back, you know, when I work with people one-on-one and we start to dig, it's always like, yep, that's what happened when I was in sixth grade, my parents got divorced and my dad left and, you know, why wasn't I good enough to keep them together? And it's like, oh my gosh, same old thing. For me, my unworthiness, um, this revelation came to me during a meditation was when I was six months old and I had an aunt who drank herself to death. And I had an experience in a meditation where all of that sadness came up and it was like, why wasn't I good enough to keep you alive? And so my unworthiness started at like six months old. And we come in with a little bit of this stuff too. Uh, And then we live in a society that makes us feel unworthy of things. So this belief system is probably old, Lori, but the thing is, you're onto it. You're onto it. And I remember when I started to get onto myself, when I started to really look at how I was moving through the world, right? Like I wanted a peaceful world. I wanted people to be happy. I didn't want to see Sally Struthers and starving kids anymore. Like I wanted a better life. But when I really started to look at what I was putting out into the world, I realized that I was contributing to it all. So then I got onto myself and I was able to catch myself. And it's when you catch yourself, when you catch yourself in those, I've got to prove myself, when you catch yourself in the resistance, that's when you have the opportunity to change. That's when you have the opportunity to practice just like I've been practicing the excitement for 2019 and what's coming practice what it is that this new belief system of you being worthy, of you being motivated to do your workouts, of you being unshakable by resistance, of you not having to prove to yourself anymore, that's when these belief systems can shift. You want to practice how does it feel to believe in yourself? How does it feel to not have to prove yourself? And it seems to me like you've got plenty of physical evidence right now that may be being overlooked. Because you're saying that like oftentimes you're doing it. You're doing what you didn't think you could do. So take that physical evidence and use that to your advantage. How did it feel when you did what you didn't think you could do? How did that feel? Because you want to practice the feeling because the feeling is what the creation is. And the feeling is going to start to create those neural pathways because it's going to lead the thinking And it's going to leave the development of these new belief systems. That's great. I think that's a great perspective for, for Lori, you know, to take, to take it one step further. It's funny how she has in the question to deal with whatever is happening versus like, it's something she has to deal with, not something that she can experience and embrace, like make it part of who she is. Right, it's kind of deal. So the so words, there's even resistance in the deal yeah. in like the deal. Yeah. Dealing, like I have That's to deal with that mindset. So, you know, my perspective. Like it's a part. It doesn't have to be a part of who you are. Yeah, right. And you can change anything at any time. You were starting to talk about that, like, like into the feeling. And and I want to talk about two things with this question. One is specifically what I what I one of the lessons I took away in bike camp was truly 
being in a physical training session without any music, without any visual stimulus and embracing a challenging session, truly being there, watching my thoughts resist. So Lori, watching those thoughts of resistance come up and working within it in that moment when you have no other distraction, like all you have is yourself. So how did you work with the resistance? I embraced it. It was a flip of a switch to embrace. What's the mental dialogue? The mental dialogue is, oh my God, this is hard. This is hard. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do 10 minutes of, of these watts that I've never done before. So what I instantly did was get back into this pedal stroke. Can I just pedal stroke one more time, one more time, one more time, one more time. When you don't have music, you don't have the visual stimulus of watching something, you have nothing to do but be in that pedal stroke, which by the way is exactly what you do on race day, right? You don't have any other distraction. If you're focused and dialed into a strong meditation practice, come race day, you should be, you should have no distractions, right? Things should be coming in left and right and they should, they should fly by. Just like you see scenery on the bike, you're gonna see, you're gonna see a tree come by and it's gonna go. So a thought's gonna come in and it's gonna go. So in these sessions, I truly just felt what it was like to push one more pedal stroke, one more pedal stroke, turning my visual stimulus away from my phone app that had like, you know, 10 minutes left, you know, whatever the countdown was. When you remove that, all you're doing is embracing the moment of each pedal stroke, each pedal stroke. And when I was done with one of them, I didn't, my, my initial thought was into the, I have four more to go because I was doing five of these repeats five by 10 minute repeats. When I was done with that first one, I didn't go, well, I initially wanted to go to the, there's four more left. Instead, I just said, now it's time to recover. How can I recover to the best of my ability for these next five minutes? And I would focus on my breath and an easy pedal stroke and hydrating. And then that new interval would start and I would just dive into the next interval with this pedal stroke, this pedal stroke. It's a strong, challenging practice because the resistance, your mind is gonna continually fight it. And to, to Jess's point about the ego, it's, it's pulling on this archived file that says you've only done X amount of Watts at X amount of time. There's, you've never done this session before. So you probably won't be doing it. Right? Let's fall. Let's go back to the comfort, the comfort zone where we know that you can achieve a certain amount of, of time and, and, and power. But I can tell you from experience, this is where you, this is where you challenge your belief system and begin to grow. This is the very moment when you're in that pedal stroke and you don't know if you can do another pedal stroke that you immediately fully embrace 1000% that moment of each pedal stroke, each pedal stroke. And guess what? You're gonna fail. You're gonna get to two or three reps. And this is exactly what happened to me. I got to three of them and then I wasn't able to turn the pedal over and then that's why I knew where my new benchmark was. And so then I would approach it the next week work with that resistance and flip it to embrace. Embrace that sensation. So as your file system looks at that pain or whatever you consider it to be in your legs, you just embrace that sensation. It's just a new sensation. This is what it is right now. And this is how I'm gonna begin to change my relationship with it. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. The second was, how do you change that, that mindset? Laura, this is so good, Laura, because you push yourself through and you achieve it every time. So a practice that I got into, it came to me on a, on a drive over to Sprouts one day from my house. I just hopped off the bike and I had to go get some... See, that's how meditation works. What? Like what you just said. Like if you just meditate, I was talking to a, um, 
somebody, an athlete that I work with yesterday about this. Cause she was saying like, I don't really, I don't really get these deep meditations. I don't like, I have a lot of chatter. She's like, but I get this information like what you just said. And that's how it works. Like don't look in your meditation for the benefit because it's going to come outside of the meditation. So, So the meditation, it's like you're, in a garden when you were a kid and your dad was like, okay, maybe I'm talking personal experience. And yeah. he's like, you know, take the hoe and, and create the lines where you're going to plant the seeds. That's the meditation. You're just planting these seeds, right? You're creating this space. And then in, you know, six months, these vegetables grow or six weeks, probably these vegetables grow all of a sudden. So you got to do the planting to reap the rewards later on. And, and it can come at any time. That perfect tomato can come at any time. It can come on day 52. It can come on day 55. The same thing with what I experienced on this drive from our house to Sprouts. It came to me. It was like, I'm not surprised. And then I just applied that, those words to everything. I'm not surprised I just completed that workout. I'm not surprised I'm healthy. I'm not surprised I'm getting stronger. I'm not surprised I have enough money to purchase these groceries. I'm not surprised I have a beautiful wife. I'm not surprised I live in California. I'm not surprised I'm going to qualify for Kona. And you just keep saying it. I'm not surprised. And soon after you do this a few times, you build up this confidence and mental, it's like mental push-ups for, you know, for the brain. It starts to be ingrained. Like you're not surprised anything is happening. And we've been saying that a lot. We've been taking away the, the sayings of, I can't believe I did that. Right. That's so crazy, right? I know. We just take... We, we stop com- ourselves right there. We completely have removed that from our vocabularies. I was just talking to somebody about that yesterday, somebody who is uh, going all in with something. And um, and it's super scary and it's super exciting and they're just hemorrhaging money right now. And we were talking about that and just in our conversation, how they were starting to change that right on the spot. Yeah, that you're not surprised. And, you know, BJ, I feel like you can really you can really speak to this like cuz i feel like you as a younger athlete meaning like over this last 15 years like spiritually younger that you did you were trying to prove your something to yourself Do you absolutely like you were, yeah. yeah and i feel like this aha of i'm not surprised is you like you've planted those seeds through your practice you can't help but get in touch with that really powerful part of you. And so that really powerful part of you is now having more of a say in your life. And you're able to complete these workouts. And now you're starting the dialogue that's going to help put everything in, give everything more momentum by saying, yeah, I'm not surprised. Because every like I get on the bike and I get it done. And, and even if it's quote unquote failure... I still did two more, so it's not failure. Right, so so proving to myself where I once was, where I had to go out and I had to run 20 miles at race pace, let's just say, right? To prove to myself that I could run 20 miles at race pace. I don't need to do that anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't need to happen. I know mentally that come race day, when the shit hits the fan at mile 18 on the run, there's only one thing happening. I'm going inside, inside to the furnace, that burning furnace inside. I'm going into that knowing that I have everything I need to finish this 
run as strong as I can. Nothing outside is going to affect me. I, I believe 1000% in myself at that moment. And there's a song, I think I mentioned this before, a song by Angels and Airwaves. The words are, I found one last thing to believe in. One last thing to believe in. And that one last thing, what I pull from that is myself. I believe in myself. So I don't need to, to hit those watts. I don't need to hit that pace on the run. I don't need to hit 100, 100 uh, repeats in the pool to know that I can do 100, 100 repeats. Like, when are you going to stop telling yourself that you're not surprised? Like, how much more proof do you need? And, and proof, I just, I'm talking not physical proof, but that, that higher knowing how much more do you need to prove to yourself that you're capable of achieving whatever you want to achieve? Yeah, I like that. I think, Lori, I think that might be some dialogue you want to introduce is this, I'm not surprised. So even just after every workout, or even as you're tying your shoes, I'm not surprised that I'm tying my shoes and I'm getting out for this run in the midst of resistance. I'm not surprised because this is what I do. So I think that the, those are some really good tools. And the other thing is, you know, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel about yourself as an athlete? And write that down. And then practice how those things feel. Practice how those things feel. So you might be like, how do I practice that? Well, there might be something in your life that, you know, if I want to feel um, joy, then I'm just going to go take Clark for a walk because he's the joy creator. And there's going to be joy spreading up everywhere. And in that moment, I'm going to capture how that joy feels. So when I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel panic, I've now gotten like this kind of memory muscle, how joy feels. And I can practice that in that moment because now I know that I'm moving forward in a moment from joy and I'm not moving forward in a moment from a belief that I'm in a panic. So I think that that would be helpful. Okay. I feel like all these questions are kind of moving in the same direction, which is great. So let's just dive, dive into um, Jody, uh, our new athlete and Patreon supporter. <laughs> She's all <laughs> over this podcast. I love it. So she wants to know about finding and discovering your motivation. So I think that really what we're talking about here, Jody, is like when we don't feel like we've got the motivation, we've, it's because we're in the face of resistance. So, you know, for, for me, gosh... I just, it's hard for me to like... Articulate? Yeah, it's hard for me to speak to this point because I feel like I'm, I just kind of just... It's your norm now. It's my norm. I just kind of go through my day. <laughs> so like I don't... Go back, go back. Try and, try and find that moment where you... Okay, let me go back to Newport when yeah. it was like 20 degrees. See, but even then I would just embrace it. I would just, I would put every single bit of my... So back in Newport when it was like 17 degrees pitch dark, training for Ironman Lake Placid, roads are covered in ice, nobody's shoveling their sidewalks, you got to run in the road, which makes drivers mad, which means they're not necessarily going to get out of your way. And how do I get motivated for those runs? I remember I would just be like, number one, I'm warm right now. This is great. I'm warm right now because I'm in my house and I'm going to put all my running clothes on. So I would put on two pairs of pants, two pairs of socks. I had four shirts. I would put four shirts on, a jacket, my balaclava, a hat over that, and gloves. And then I would laugh at how ridiculous that was. And I would feel that joy. So even before I understood this kind of stuff, um, I've 
was always kind of pre-made to embrace. And so I would just embrace and see if I could bring some fun to it. And then, you know, having four shirts on and two pairs of pants in a house with the heat on, I would get really hot and I would have to get outside. And it's just really present moment awareness. So it's taking that next step. So when I'm laying in bed and it's dark out and it's cold outside, it's like, oh God, do I want to go? And it's like, just take the next step because right now you're comfortable and you're warm and you're going into the future thinking about how it's dark and it's cold. So just what's the next step? The next step is pull the covers off and put your slippers on and stay warm and then get your clothes out while you're warm and practice tying your shoes, put your shoes on. Um, you know, sometimes that means a caffeinated espresso to get me out the door, but it's just taking, I think for me, I've never been one to like listen to motivational video videos or, or even really like music or anything. It's just, to me, it's just kind of noise in my head. Doesn't, it's not really helpful. So I just take the next step. I just take whatever that next step is to get out and, um, and, and, always practicing gratitude that I have a body that is able to move and to complete the workout that I'm about to do. So I always go to gratitude. Gratitude is something that I really took to um, the nth degree in 2017. And I really think it changed everything about my experience and everything about what we're experiencing now in our life is just being grateful, being grateful that I had a home, being grateful that I had four shirts, being grateful that I've got sneakers, being grateful that I've got legs that move and a heart that beats and I don't have to worry about it. It just, my body just goes. And so always being grateful because I think it's easy to get caught up in what we don't like. So let's just start getting caught up in what we do like. And again, that's just like changing dialogue around, you know, um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised I'm motivated yeah, to do this. Yeah, I think we're going to have this theme in these yeah. questions. And I, I just have a knack for like laughing at ridiculous situations. Like just so, like really just, that's ridiculous. You don't want to go out and run. It's sunny in 51. Like that's ridiculous. You've got an amazing body that produces um, movement for you and you have clothes and you have running sneakers. You actually have a couple pairs of running sneakers. Like there's, there's nothing to be not motivated about. Get out there and get the work done. Yeah. From my experience, I think that's great, Jess. I think from my experience, I was the person who needed the motivational music, the motivational videos that really fire you up. Like this is, this is it. Like, yeah, I'm super pumped. And then that stuff became noise, you know, it became a distraction. And I, and I know it was a distra distraction for you, right? From day no, one. No, it was, it was. <laughs> Can you put your headphones an, on? Please? It was an opportunity <laughs> for me to be neutral, to practice neutrality, which helps when I'm not motivated because I'm just neutral about right. things. But I will say that when like you stop, but like blasting that guy from the basement that was always screaming, that's really, I wasn't disappointed. Yes, and I wasn't surprised because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I had to watch these videos. It was like a must to get fired up for really tough. Like I had to have my motivational videos, my motivational music. I had to have fired up on caffeine and super like aggressive energy to get these sessions done. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And there, yeah, there's that, that, that was my entry point and I don't need that anymore. What I found, and this is such a good example, is what I found is 
when I would complete these workouts or sessions that were that seemed to be challenging, that I was unmotivated for, what helped was being absolutely 100% present post-session and understand how I felt after these sessions. And that only came from meditation. From meditation, you have the ability to calm and center and come back to what's in front of you. So when I got done with these sessions, in the past, I probably would have gone on to the next thing, like fueled up and then got on my computer. And But what I do now is I just take a few breaths and a few moments to, to reflect on what just happened. Oh, I love it. So it's like you're capturing the moment. I'm capturing. This is a good one for Lori, too. After, because she's a way better athlete than she thinks she is. I know that. And um, just from this question and other things that we've we've chatted about, but like capturing that moment of how you feel after the workout and write down, well, how does that feel? What does it feel like? And practice that feeling. That's a practice yeah. that feeling. That's a ex- exactly what I was just gonna say. Like the more you do it over and over again. And this summer I had an experience with swimming in the ocean and it's this delay. So not to get into another topic, but delay tactics of, yeah, I'll I'll get into the water. And I know you were always a big proponent of me. Like you got to get in the ocean, like you need to get in the ocean. And so I found these, this group of swimmers that swims literally 400 steps from our door in the ocean. And they swim every Tuesday and Thursday morning. They're still swimming right now without wetsuits. And in the summer, eventually I took the plunge. Somehow I found the motivation, whatever it was, to go down there and meet these people. I just think like sometimes you just got to swallow and step over the resistance and go, or you're never going to go anywhere. So I made that step. I got down there and I swam with them. And then I, I captured the feeling. So let's go back to the capture. I captured the feeling of swimming in the Pacific Ocean with the sun rising and feeling amazing after a 45 minute swim before anybody had started their day and I walk up out of the water and we're all chatting and what an amazing experience. I got to see dolphins. I got to see seals. Uh, I I overcame fear of open water swimming and the icing on the cake. And I continue to do this. So I'll talk about the icing in a moment, but I continue to do this every week, Tuesday and Thursday. These were my open water swims, no matter what. And guess what? I failed a few times. The waves were too big. I couldn't make it out. They made it out. These experienced swimmers made it out. I didn't make it out, but that did not keep me away. It just made my my strength and power to to rise up and get over this fear even stronger. So I kept showing up, kept showing up, and eventually these swims got so easy. and And I was actually leading some of these swims towards the towards the end because I was able to capture that feeling. And back to the, the delay, when I woke up in the morning at you know 5.45 to go meet them at 6, what I found is when I was waking up at 5.15 and 5.30, I was delaying. You know, I was doing anything around the house, like oh, maybe I need more water and maybe I'll take Clark out for a, a walk and like all these things to delay. What I found was I just need to get up, get out, get in my wetsuit and get jogged down, run down from our, our door down to the water and meet them just as they're going in to get me into the water every week. And it just became an automatic. And the icing on the cake, guys, the icing on the cake from this experience is that I had like an eight minute PR in my swim at Mount Tremblant. Eight minutes in a full Ironman swim. Blew away my best swim ever. And I I know for a fact that a big part of that was letting go of my fear and resistance to getting in the open water and just accepting 
the experience and embracing everything that I pulled from it. The joy of swimming with animals, the joy of watching the sunrise, the joy of taking a story that I thought was true. I can never swim in open water because I'm scared, right? That I believe to be true and totally flipping that around and, and creating a new story. From this experience, truly embrace the the successes that you have when you finish a, a session, whatever it is, when you finish it, take a few breaths, just like you would in the morning before you start your day and just feel into, back to Jess's thing about feeling, feel into literally how that felt. Yeah, it was tough, but feel that like life and vibrancy from accomplishing something you just may have thought was impossible. And it really goes down to a very simple principle and or question rather, is what are you focusing on? Are we focusing on not feeling motivated? Are we focusing on the resistance? Are we focusing on the fear of not getting the workout done? Are we focusing on not being able to complete the distance? Are we focusing on the lower vibrations? Or are we practicing to focus on the higher vibrations? And understand, you guys, we live in a society that practices the low vibrations. We've got court systems that are, you know, you're right, I'm wrong, pay that money, you go to jail. I mean, everything is about who's right, who's wrong, who's to blame, who's got the better policy, you know, fear of everything, fear of our kids going to school and coming home safely, fear of driving at night, fear of swimming in the water. There's so much fear, there's so much low vibration. We live in a we live in an ego world, a negative ego world, and that's fine. We can rise above. And you know, that's a huge message that we have for the world is that we can rise above and we're living proof of it. We're living proof of it. So what is it that you're focusing on because if you take one thing away from this podcast, here it is. What you focus on expands. Uh, let's go into Josie's question about, she wants to know about flow. So I love this. So, because who doesn't want flow? What is flow? Let's talk about flow. What is flow first? What, it, what is flow to you? Flow is a state of no thought. To me, it's a, it's a state of not being able to recall an amazing experience that you just happened. Right. And the, and the moment that you are like, oh my God, I was just in flow. You're, you're not flow. in flow. Right. What do you think flow is? So I, I, very similar. Flow is the merging of awareness and activity. And when you put a hundred percent of your awareness on the work that's being done right there, whether it's writing in your journal or swimming in the ocean or coming or meditating or coming down the chute of an Ironman, if you got a hundred percent of your awareness on that activity, it leaves how much awareness for the thoughts and commentary in your head? Zero. Yeah, it's very simple so, math. So her question is, how do you how do you get into it more? Because it's, we all want to be in flow state, right? Yeah, we, and I think that there's we've seen like we've seen it with football players, and we've seen it with you know Michael Jordan is a great example. Michael Jordan is a great example. Um, Michael Jordan practices his craft. Like you, you got to practice your craft. So there's, but there's also a little bit of like the pressure is on flow state. And I feel like that's the kind of flow state that happens by chance. Like, okay, the pressure's on. It's, we've got 10 seconds left. We've got to get this field goal. Like, da -da -da. like you're just so focused on what needs to be done in those 10 seconds. So there's that kind of flow. And I think that that's, 
we see like the most amazing things come out of that flow. But I think flow is also a way that you can live. And you, you know, writing those cookbooks was flow. Putting those recipes together was flow because I was merging 100% of my awareness with what I was doing in that moment. And I was dismissing, I mean, it was really by putting 100% of my focus on those things, I was dismissing the resistance. I was dismissing within that resistance the thoughts that, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't a trained chef, that who was I to put out a cookbook? So flow is 100% of your awareness on the activity that you're in right now. So if we talk about sports, running, triathlon specifically, it's the pedal stroke, it's the swim stroke, it's the foot strike, it's the breath that you're in. And I think it goes hand in hand, and I've seen our teacher Philip write about this a lot, is it flow goes hand in hand with doing the work for the sake of the work. What does that mean? For those that, we talk about this a lot, and we post about it a lot, it's, it's a big belief of ours. What, what does that mean? So doing the work for the sake of the work is really, I think, present moment awareness of doing 100% of your awareness on what it is that's in front of you right there and not having 90% of your awareness on what's in front of you right now and 10% of your awareness on what you're going to get from it. Because if you're doing something to get from, to get something from it, I mean, and this can even be meditation, you know, um, if you're doing something to get something from it, you're not in flow because that's ego and ego is not in flow. So we're, we're looking at athletes here. So almost all the athletes are doing some training to get to some end result. Right. And the goals are great because the goals are, the goal helps you motivate. So getting back to motivation, the goals help you motivate every day because you want to achieve that goal. But we also see it a lot with athletes that cross that finish line and they are upset with their times. They, I, I can't tell you how many athletes that I, I've talked with over the years and, and said to them, what does it, what does it mean to you to, when you cross that finish line? And, and I hear questions, I hear answers like, well, I'm going to be able to believe in myself. And I can tell you right now that one finish line is not going to allow you to believe in yourself. However, you do have physical evidence there at, for crossing the finish line that you can use if you practice it. And you go got to practice it. And go back to the not surprised. I'm not surprised I right. finished this race. Okay, what more can you not be surprised about? Yeah. So flow is, I made some notes on this. Like flow is, it's the, it's your ability to stay focused on exactly and nothing more than exactly what you are doing in that moment. So much so that the action that you're taking in that moment is the reward. That's, whoa, like mind blown. Yeah. So how can you grab, how can they grasp that without it's, asking the, I know, without asking the question of, but I have these goals, I have like, I want to finish Mendocino in a faster time. What if time. I don't have, so you're saying I'm not supposed to have any goals? No, or absolutely. To- have, I think goals are super important. Some people don't, you know, Golden, who I co-facilitate M21 with, she's not a big fan of that word goals. I love goals. As an athlete, I love goals. You know, I'm going to run my first 50 miler this year. I'm going to run my first 100K this year or next year. I'm not doing it all in the next two days. I love goals. I'm very goal oriented. Uh, they keep me focused. They keep me motivated. I know I got to get my ass out of bed at 4 a.m. if I'm going to meditate and drive to meet the girls for a trail run. I My motivation is set the night before. I'm excited. I practice being excited. 
about how that's going to be when I wake up in the morning and know that I'm one of the few that's up going after their goals. So I think goals are great, but if I wake up and the car doesn't start and I can't go to that trail run, my life doesn't, I don't fall apart in that moment. I look at what the next thing is and I stay in flow. So flow is also, I think, being really flexible with what happens because on race day, you're going to have so many things coming at you. I keep thinking about this Matthew McConaughey. I've, I've referenced this before, but I think it's Matthew McConaughey did this talk. I don't know if it's a TED talk. I don't know if it was an interview. I don't know how it came across my awareness. But he talks about how, and I'm realizing now he's talking about flow. When he first became an actor, it was like, I have to get an Oscar. I have to get a nomination. This movie has to be a blockbuster. I've got to make this amount of money. And he was always in the end result right? He was always in the, he was very attached to the end result. And when he backed off from the end result and started really becoming more skillful with his craft, which to become more skillful with your craft, whether that's riding a bike, running, swimming, whatever, you, it forces you, it requires you to practice present moment awareness. So when he started practicing being more present with what it was that was in front of him and not filming these scenes, thinking about how much money they're going to make at the opening weekend, when he just merged his awareness with what he was doing in that moment and nothing more, he realized that what he was doing in the moment was the joy. The joy wasn't the opening weekend blockbuster. But however, this was also the same time that his career took off and he started being recognized as a really relevant actor. And it was because he realized through his own self-discovery that the reward is in the moment. The reward is always happening. It's always happening. It's the journey. Come on. We talk about the journey all the time. And I really want to know, like, what's the percentage of people who are really embracing the journey? In the journey, you can discover that it is bringing you joy, as Jess was just saying, or you just may discover that the journey, you're not interested in the journey. Like, mm. you're, not, you're not feeling it. You realize in this self-reflective mode that you're so tied to the end result. You're so attached to the end result. And if you don't get that end result, you don't care how you get there. You realize when you focus on the journey, this may not be the journey you want to be on. Well, I think... And that questions your belief system. It questions who you are because of your attachment to that end result. And it just might mean that you need to shift a little bit. So when I started to not love riding the bike that much and started feeling more of a pull towards the trails. I realized it was time for a change. Chelsea Sororo, who we just had on the podcast last week, talks about when she won the World Cup triathlon, and which was a dream of hers, a goal of hers in Mexico. She crossed the finish line and realized that her husband wasn't there and she was missing him. And she was like, she found this sport after being a professional runner for years, found the sport of triathlon that she loved and she was good at, but it wasn't the right distance for her. It wasn't all encompassing of what brought her joy in her life. Yeah, there's not, there's just not one way. There's, right. She found that there's and other ways. And that's when she started to, she switched to long right. course. And now she can live at home and be with her husband and train locally. And, and win races. Pick her, yeah, and go out and Which win her second did. half Ironman. So it's, 
it's paying attention to the moment, you know, it's paying attention to the moment is where your flow is going to come. Now, you can't expect to pay attention to the moment if you're not practicing paying attention to the moment. And paying attention to the moment doesn't mean paying attention to the moment, thinking about the moment. Presence is experience. Presence is having an experience through the conscious mind. And the conscious mind is just there to absorb experience. The conscious mind doesn't talk to anybody. Well, I'll just say it. I'll just go there. So we've got the, sup- the subconscious mind, we've got the conscious mind, and we've got the superconscious mind. The subconscious mind, where our belief systems are, and our hardwiring, and our patterns, and our ancestral DNA that we're trying to clean up, all that stuff, that talks to the superconscious mind. The superconscious mind is the higher intelligence, the universe, our higher self. And really, that communication is what creates all of the experiences in our life that give us opportunities like, hey, BJ, you've been scared of open water swimming. You know it's exactly what you need to get that Kona qualifying swim time. Now, guess what? We just lined up all of this stuff that you're 400 steps away from a Tuesday, Thursday open water swim group right? Like that your subconscious and your super conscious have been communicating about that. And that's one of the reasons why we landed in this very specific spot. Now there's the conscious mind and the conscious mind is the one that's just absorbing the present moment. And the conscious one, the conscious mind is the awareness. So the conscious mind is the one that says, Oh, I just poured a third glass of wine that's not aligning with getting up at five in the morning to go for my run, which is going to take me to my goal of having a PR in Mendocino. And I'm not saying, Jody, this is you. I'm just using Mendocino. So it's the conscious mind that allows us to make the change. It's the conscious mind that is presence, that we're utilizing when we're in presence. So if we're in presence and we're thinking about the present moment, then now we're bringing in the subconscious mind because the thoughts are always going to be based on past experience and projecting that onto the present moment and projecting that into the future. So presence and the conscious mind go together. So we must practice that if we want flow in our life. We must practice present moment awareness. Everything comes from present moment awareness. Everything comes... Only change can happen in the present moment. It's the only place it can happen. We can talk about it all day long about all the things we're going to do in 2019. (laughs) But when that moment shows up, if we're not paying attention to it, we're not going to have that opportunity to make that change we want to make. And I think you can, you can jolt this system to, to get into more presence because you've talked about this a lot and, and I'm listening. I know you've been saying it for years and I've been listening but you can jolt this, jolt this by facing experiences that are fearful to you or unknown, just like swimming. Like when you begin to, when you begin to look for experiences, experiences that are going to challenge you. When you see the experiences that are, get you uncomfortable, that's when you become 100% present, like you're talking about, and see how your mind works. Like this is how you practice it. This is the training your mind needs to be in these experiences that are unfamiliar, unknown, doesn't have a file system there to reflect upon so that you're actually experiencing it. So with Jess's non-degree in culinary arts, <laughs> what, she done, what she's done is she's dropped herself into 
getting in the kitchen, throwing ingredients together and experiencing what it feels like to throw this ingredient, this ingredient in, experiencing the the detail and attention it, it needs to take to put together a cookbook, the tasting, how it tastes, how experience what what other people think of the food and the taste testing and how that feedback comes back. Putting herself in the unknown of not knowing how any of this is ever done, but just accepting that going along this path of not having that file system to rely upon is gonna put her in situations where she needs to step up and accept whatever it is that comes into her awareness and embrace it 100% so that she can take those experiences and now she's got the file system. Now she's got the file system of all these new experiences that have pushed her beyond what she once thought was unknown. And I can choose which of those files I want to use because the old ones are still there. The unworthiness is still there. It's going to keep punching. It's, it's going to get like gonna, fighting. Yeah, like, I it's still trying to yeah. like come at me. Show up. But I also have, and this goes back to Lori, like Lori's got this evidence that she keeps surpri- surprising or not surprising herself by getting the work done and doing amazing things. She's got those files. It's just, are we re- are we pulling those files to create new neural pathways and strengthen those belief systems for the future? Or are we still going back and we're, we're using the, the older file systems that, you know, were birthed when we were five years old or in high school or in our early 20s or whatever it is, because those still have a little life to them. But every time we choose those, we give them more life. So choosing, being very choosy about your thoughts that you're indulging is extremely, it's everything. It's everything. But without present moment awareness, you're not even going to realize what it is that you're indulging in. So that is why we focus here at Yogi Triathlete, we focus so much on the mind and taking the time to sit and meditate. And meditate doesn't mean you're gonna, you're gonna sit down for an hour every day. What it means is you begin to take that first conscious breath when you wake up in the morning. You're aware that you're breathing. And we talk about this in our yoga classes. The first thing we come into is child's pose and we bring awareness to the breath. So you're, you're, you're bringing your awareness from out there and bringing it to the breath, which is happening now, which is always happening. So when you can begin to understand that every breath can bring you back to the present moment, you start to experience the moments in front of you. The mission at Yogi Triathlete is, yes, to create a better world. And to do that, we need more present human beings, more present Um, athletes, more present yogis, more present moms and dads and children, and just an awakening of the experience that's in front of you right now. And the way that you can do that is to take one conscious breath. And when you begin to take one conscious breath, you realize, wow, this breath is keeping me alive. You start to take a second one and then then you link it together, the three of them, just like you do in training. You do one interval at five minutes and then the next time you do two intervals at five minutes. It's the same thing, you're training your brain. So when you can train your brain, because I know a lot of you out there, I was the same way, are questioning, how can I be more present? How can I be more aware and, and awake and ready for these experiences? And it starts with just taking that conscious breath and understanding that the present moment is happening right now. It's right in front of you and you're missing it if you're thinking about the future or the past. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So that's the flow state. And there's flow killers, you know, there's flow killers. So there's like, and our teacher, our yoga teacher, Philip talks about this, like, 
Re, a, a focus of reward, that is a flow killer. Doubt is a flow killer. Um, fear is a flow killer. Resistance is a flow killer, right? And it really is not only present moment awareness, but trusting the present moment, trusting. So like we have a presentation at work or something and nervous about it. If you are present, those perfect words will come. They will come. And this is how we teach yoga. I mean, so many times people will come up after class and say, oh my God, that thing you said, it was like, it was like you were talking to me and I have no yeah, idea I, what I said. I feel like a deer in the headlights. They're talking and the way I, I look because at them. Because we don't go in with a script. <laughs> they have to like what reiterate what, what I had said. And, and sometimes it comes and sometimes I have no clue. I have no clue. And, and you used to tell you me that a lot. you're in flow. I was like, Jess, oh, man, you said something so great. And you're like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. That's why sometimes it's good to record our classes to capture some of those moments. But we, we teach from presence. Mm-hmm. And that's flow when you can't recall. And, you've, and it requires trust. And the only way to trust it is, you know, the next time that, you know how the ego likes to rehearse and rehash. Right. So like we were like, oh, I'm going to have this conversation with this person. I used to do this and like you rehearse it, like you memorize it. You take the dog for a walk and you're like, you're just like talking to no one out there on the sidewalk because you're like rehearsing exactly what you're going to say. That is all ego. That is all ego. Yes, you're doing it right now. You're doing it in the present moment, but you're planning, you're doing it for the future. You're doing it to be right or to make somebody wrong or to to shine, you know, like whatever it is, it's still not presence because presence is just experience. So sometimes at the beginning of a yoga class, I'm just standing there and I'm looking at the students and it's silent and it's awkward. And then the words come and then I start speaking and that's that. And, um, and so it's trusting that the words will come because I'll tell you right now, they come, Eckhart Tolle says this and it's so on point. He says, they come not a moment too soon and not a moment too late. They just come at the right exact time. So it's in those moments before and after the words come that you practice the trust, that you practice the trust. All right. I think that's good. And then what? I was going to say, we have two questions. We have two more. I don't know if you All right. Know. And we just got another one. Um, from We're taking questions live here from Sherry. Did yeah. you see that one? Okay, and, good. And uh, Daniel. Okay. So uh, Pam uh, and Sherry both have questions on nutrition. And so Pam was a little bit more general. She wanted to talk about mindfulness and nutrition. So mindfulness, I think this whole thing's been mindfulness. So I know you're going to take some stuff away from what we talked about, uh, especially the resistance. Uh, Look at that resistance in life. And then Sherry gets a little more specific with nutrition, which is great. So hopefully this will help Pam as well, right? I'm going to trust that this is exactly what Pam needs to hear. Sherry needs help with nutrition. She's trying to eat healthy yet need energy, what to eat before and during a race. So, I mean, for us to really address this, Sherry, we need to know what you're eating and what's happening. You know, are you kind of falling apart at different at the end of a race? What are the intensities that you're training what's at or the, racing at? Yes, exactly. Do you have a nutrition plan and what is that? So we would definitely need more specific information to give you a plan to help you with a plan. And certainly we can do that. I think we should just typically, you know, what we eat before, before and during a race. I mean, let's just say triathlon 
And what would you have before the race? The night before would be something super easy. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about a race. So, you know, the night before we keep it really simple and I don't know if that's going to change, but right now we do pasta and red sauce and some bread. I mean, that's what we do the night before a race. Uh, we don't overeat the night before a race at all. We have maybe a cup of pasta. It's two nights before that we eat uh, more. We eat till we're really full. In the breakfast. Yeah. And then before the, we'll, we'll eat a lot. But the night before it's, it's yeah, like Jess said, one cup of pasta. Yep. Super easy. And early, like early, six o'clock. Early, six o'clock. And then um, in the morning, three hours before the race starts, we take um, applesauce. So let's say for an ultra or for an Ironman, it's going to be close to like a cup and a half to a cup and three quarters of applesauce, which is like an unbelievable amount of applesauce. One banana and a scoop of protein powder along with 20 ounces of whatever electrolyte uh, fuel you use. So we use scratch. So we'll have that. And then usually before the race, about 15 minutes before I'll have a gel. I eat a lot more whole foods now than I'm on the trails. So, but I'll, I'll start with a gel. And then during the race, I've got, I've got the same nutrition plan I've used for so long. So it's like every 10 to 15 minutes I'm drinking and every 45 minutes I'm eating. And then I use present moment awareness and body awareness to help me understand if I need a little extra or I need a little less. But if you're needing energy, I'm thinking that you need to be eating more food. And I, I feel like you can speak to this, BJ, because I watched you for years, like in my perspective, you were not eating enough. You were not taking enough in. No, no way. Nowhere near what I needed to take in. But that was an experience that I needed to have right. uh, for, for myself to understand that, yeah, I, I am sluggish. There's a reason why I'm sluggish. There's a reason why I'm having cramping issues and you know, I'm not making it through the, to the end of the race being vibrant. So yeah, I had to adjust and take in more calories. And, and a similar, similar nutrition plan to what Jess has, I take something in every 10, 10 to 15 minutes and then some solid nutrition every 30 minutes. And then I listen to my body. And I think this is one of two key points. One is listening to your body and feeling that you need more nutrition. Now, how do you know? How do you know if you need more? Well, <laughs> that just comes with body awareness and time spent practicing nutrition. When you go out for those long runs, what do you have the night before? What do you have for breakfast three hours before your long run? practice, practice, practice. You're, you're never going to be 100% solid in your nutrition, but you can get pretty close to know the things that are going to work for you. And you practice it on in hot conditions, cold conditions. You need to do the work yourself because everybody's nutritional system is different. Now, the second thing I want to mention is especially, especially for Jess and me, and we've talked about this before, is we haven't had any nutritional issues in our races for the past few years. And I strongly believe it's because of our foundational daily nutritional intake. So what we eat on a day-to-day -day basis, day in, day out, week after week, month after month, are they whole foods? Are they healthy foods? Do we, do we slip up often and have uh, sweet here and there? And how does that affect, how does that affect our vibe, our body? And we have this feedback system where yeah, I will eat too much peanut butter and I'll get on the bike and I'll be burping up peanut butter and getting in that space and 
feeling into that, go back to what Jess was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, feel into it, understand that too much peanut butter on the bike 30 minutes before is not ideal. I think a big mistake is to get online, Google someone's nutrition plan and follow it to the T. Yeah. Come race day. What I think is smart is Googling, finding someone's <laughs> race nutrition and practicing how that nutrition works for you in training. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we do offer this, uh, to work with people for their race nutrition and, and plant-based nutrition. So Sherry, if that's something you're interested in, you can check it out on our website and we've had really, really great success. Um, you know, one of our athletes, Claire, um, we switched her, we just stripped her down and switched her to like sweet potatoes only the night before races and her nutritional or workouts and her nutritional issues like went away. Like we stripped her down yeah, she, and now we're now building her back up. And I actually think we're going to be working a little bit deeper with her on that moving yeah, she forward. Did two, her first two half Ironmans and her first Ironman last year with no nutritional issues. But because we did the work well before race day, taking the time and committing to, yeah, guess what? Friday night is not a party night this week because you've got a big workout on Saturday and you want to dial in your nutrition. How much, how important is race day for you? How, how important is, yes, is this goal? Yeah. Is this goal for you? <laughs> Are you willing to sacrifice all the fitness that you just built up because you have a nutritional issue? So two things are going to derail your race, nutrition and pacing. And I can tell you, nutrition is a big, big, big one. And if you can dial that in before race day, your race day will be everything that you can dream of. And it really goes back to like this idea of motivation. I mean, all these questions, you guys, this is talk about trusting the present moment that this all came together so perfectly. It's like you have this goal. Is 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 your goal your priority? If it's your priority, then get up and get the work done. Get up and do it. No matter if it's 17 degrees out or if it's raining or if it's sunny, get up and do it. Do the work for the sake of the work and you will start to welcome in more flow into your life. If you want a little motivation, guys, listen to our podcast with One Dope Vegan because he just gets up and gets it done. He, he doesn't know why he does it. He's just, he's made the decision to get up and get it done. He doesn't know any other way. This is his new life. He wasn't always this way. He's just, he gets up and he gets it done. So if you're, if your goal is not big enough, make it bigger, like <laughs> shoot for the skies. Like, just don't worry about, just don't sell yourself short of completing an Ironman. Like let's get to the top 50% in your age group for the Ironman. Let's come up with some pie in the sky goal and then commit to it. Do the work for the sake of the work. Every day show up. Regardless of your ability to attain that goal or not. Yeah, you don't want the assurance that you're going to, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up (laughs) and I'm going to do my swim only if I hit these times. Yeah. Right? And you get to the pool, you don't hit that time on the first interval. What are you going to do next? How are you going to show up? Are you showing up by packing up your swim stuff and heading out? Or are you going to continue on with that set with whatever is given to you in that moment to prove to the universe that you're committed to this goal. You're committed. Because right. the universe will conspire. That co- that conversation between the subconscious and the superconscious, that conspires to support you. It's all for you. All of this is for you. The getting through the nutritional issues that you're having, Sherry, and the motivation, Jody, and the belief systems, Lori, and the flow, Josie, these, this is all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. It's so amazing. 
This entire life is your gift. So we've got one more question from Daniel. He, t- he wants to know about fear. This is a process, my friend. It's a process, but it's in that present moment is where you have the choice to indulge that fear or choose what's being blocked out when you're indulging the fear because everything always has an opposite. And even though fear might show up and seem like the only option, it's just the one that's speaking the loudest based on what it is that's in that subconscious of ours. But in fact, there's so many other things that we can be focusing on in a moment. And so my question would be to you or whoever this, you know, whoever is listening here, if you're, if you're dealing with fear, to you, what is the opposite of fear? Like I'll ask you, BJ, what's the opposite of fear? I always love the answers I get because they're, they're always like not what I would suspect. So for you, BJ, what's the opposite of fear? Trust. Trust. See, there's another one. And how does trust feel to you? What does trust feel like? Feels bubbly and happy and joyful <laughs> and comfy and warm. So that's the feeling that you want to practice in the face of fear. You want to practice. So practicing feelings, you guys, is everything to shifting the paradigms in your life and the patterns and the belief systems. So when fear shows up, and this is where the rubber hits the road, you guys. This is the work that nobody freaking wants to do. This is the work. It's the space when the fear shows up and being conscious to say, oh, there's the fear, and saying, my opposite of fear is trust, and trust feels bubbly, and trust feels happy and trust and I know what those feel like and it might be hard because the fear is going to come in like a tarp and it's going to blanket you but call upon like what could you call upon in a moment BJ that would allow you to feel trust like when fear is just blanketing you I just take a breath you take a breath but is there an experience in your life where you felt trust before that you could call upon absolutely like what Winning a race. Winning a race. Perfect. So you could go and you could remember, and this takes a lot of discipline, but go to when you won one of those races that you've won and how did that feel? And practicing that happy, bubbly, right? That's all right there, that happy, bubbly, and going there. And it really is a dismissal. It's a gentle, loving dismissal of the fear. It just is a dismissal of the fear. And... You know, the base of it all, you guys, is meditation because science has shown us through studies of meditation that meditate the practice of meditation consistent. I'm not talking about once a week. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, just forgive yourself for not meditating. Freaking meditate every single day. Like it really does. I'm so glad I have a teacher that gives it to me like that. Because you want to create that habit because you're up against the negative ego. You're up against evil energy because that evil energy does exist. And I don't give it a lot of play, but it's there. It's out there in this world. And so meditation has been shown to take the size of our amygdalas, which is where the fight or flight system is, where those fear centers are, and shrink it back to an appropriate size. Right? We were born with the appropriate size, 
but because we're watching the news, because children are being shot in school, because people, because we're driving in rush hour and we're seeing accidents that make us, you know, want to cry because we've seen terror in our lives. Those amygdalas have gotten really big because we've practiced being fearful. We have security systems on our houses. We have locks at the gym. We go back out to lock the car at night. We deadbolt our doors at night. We live in fear. But it's what are we practicing? And we've practiced a lot of fear. So meditation is huge, you guys. And I know it's super scary, especially if you have a busy mind. But if you have a busy mind, welcome to the club. You're not special. <laughs> we just, all have busy minds. It's just like the people that come into yoga and say, I'm too tight. Yeah. I'm too tight. I can't do yoga. It's so I ho hope that gives you some kind of understanding, Daniel, of what this... I, I wish you guys... I. I wish there was like a one, two, three. And this is why I work deeply one-on-one -on -one with people because there's so many different ways to come at this stuff depending on what your unique conversation between the subconscious and the superconscious is. And that's what we do. But a great starter is M21, of course. So uh, all those links are in the show notes for this episode, you guys. But if there's one thing to take away from this podcast, I'm going to give you two things to take away from this podcast. What we focus on expands. And the change that you crave can only occur in the present moment. Mm -hmm.